G'day and welcome to Mark and Cars Porsche Talk Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things Porsche, from air-cooled, water-cooled, rear engine, front engine, even mid-engine, there'll be something here for you. But most importantly, we're going to talk to the people who are passionate about our favourite brand. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen today and if you've got any input, suggestions, comments, anything, please send me a message. You'll be able to catch me on nearly all social media platforms as Mark and Cars, or just send me an email. Anyway, let's get on with the podcast. Well, welcome everyone to this week's podcast. I'm your host, Mark, from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. This week's special guest is Courtney Prince. She's a race car driver from Melbourne, Victoria. Courtney, g'day. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Great to see you. Great to meet you face to face. Uh, seen your picture in plenty of social media posts and uh, mainstream media posts, particularly of late with the uh, with your recent debut in the racing the Porsche Carrera Cup car. Yes, yes, I've been in lots of articles recently. Had my first round um, at Phillip Island two weekends ago, so that was my debut in Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge. So very exciting. Yeah, it's um, cool. Congratulations on your result. I understand you went pretty well. Yes, thank you. I um, managed to grab third, which I'm super stoked with, especially for my first round in that car against very experienced people. So I'm super, super happy going to round two at Sydney in a few weeks' time. Fantastic. And um, is prior to that event, did you get much opportunity or seat time in that car? Um, to get seat time in that car is very expensive. I can imagine. <laughs> so um, I did have a little bit of seat time um, this year. I only got one test day prior to the event at Phillip Island. I think it was uh, Feb, early Feb I did. Yeah, sure. Um, last year in 2020, I was supposed to race this category but uh, didn't end up going ahead as COVID. Um, so I did do a few test days, but I, nothing crazy at all, just only maybe five or six in the car. Um, so, yeah, it's very hard to get out in these cars. I can imagine. I can imagine. Like, you know, on t- obviously with regards to running costs of that car, so that calibre plus the expense of getting everybody at a track and getting hold of the track and particularly living in Melbourne where you only got a couple of tracks relatively local with, you know, Sandown there right close to town and Phillip Island a couple of hours away. Yeah, it's really hard. Like Sandown we can't get onto because of the noise restrictions. Uh, yeah. So never test there. Um, Winton and Phillip Island are only two, but we don't race at Winton, so there's really no point in testing there except sure. when you're first starting. Yeah, sure. Now for people who are unaware of you and what you do, there is uh, – tell us – about yourself you're obviously a young lady based in Melbourne how old are you what do you do etc etc yeah so um I'm currently 19 live in Melbourne racing Porsche um for Sonic Motor Racing which you may have heard of may have not of um so I also am doing a few Aussie racing car rounds so they're just three of them I'm not doing the championship um which lots of people have seen on TV they're Half the size of a real car. They're pretty fun to drive as well. But Porsche is my main um, focus. But prior to that, I did former Ford for three years with Sonic, uh, which is an open wheeler car. 
And then prior to that, I did go-karts. I started in go-karts racing them professionally when I was seven years old and I raced them until I was 14 and then I moved into former Ford. Oh, fantastic. So you've gone through the, I guess, what most people would see as the standard path to becoming a professional motor race driver. I anticipate that's the goal. Yes, yes, 100%. So my next move from here would probably be Carrera Cup, which is the Porsche level above me, and that's the highest level in Australia for that category. Um, And then progressing from there would either be Super Cup overseas in Europe or um, supercars here in Australia. Sure, sure. Now, for any viewers or listeners of this podcast, the supercars are like our premier uh, touring car style format it's they're pretty much loosely based on what our current or pre earlier uh, production car sedan style racing uh mainly dominated by a v8 engine that type of thing family size saloon cars check them out it's a uh, like i said australia's premier um base motor racing format really now historically the um Coming into motor racing where you are at your age, are you looking to continue on the Porsche path of racer development? So if the opportunity presents itself going to Europe to particularly pursue that type of racing? Yes, 100%. I'd love to go to Europe and um, stay within this pyramid of it, but um, it just depends with budget. Um, sure, I imagine it's quite competitive too. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yes. Yeah. So really whatever presents itself as an opportunity out of that and supercars, I'd be very happy with either. Um, I haven't driven a supercar yet, but I definitely love the Porsche. It's awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, prior to this driving this race car, this Carrera Cup style race car. Had you driven any Porsche before this? No, I have never. Not okay, even so, on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that was where I was headed. So that's pretty interesting. Have you driven one since? Uh, no. Okay. No, that, so, that's the only one I have driven, yeah. So, yeah, okay. So um, I noticed on a recent uh, social media post that Porsche Centre Brighton have come on board as a sponsor for the – uh, yeah. the, the team or your car particularly for the um, future events they didn't even yeah. feel a need to sort of give you a GT3 for you know 12 months to get around in oh I'd absolutely love it if I could um, go around in them but um, I don't know we'll see we'll see I might yeah, just maybe 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 I'll have a chat to them don't, yeah. they, understand, don't they understand how important you are <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Maybe one day in the future, which would be cool, but at this point, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, yeah, so with regards to the timing on working within the Porsche Pyramid, it's a it's a pretty interesting time to actually be involved in that at the moment. Like, you know, with, with what Porsche has announced in their upcoming plans for uh you know, their international motor racing with the coming back into the World Endurance Championship with the LMP cars for the Le Mans-style racing and possibly returning to F1 in the next three years if they can get F1 to agree to use their synthetic fuels they're developing. So the opportunities for, you know, high-level young drivers is quite high at the moment. Yeah. I've sort of entered in, thrown F1 in there as a discussion point because – you know, let's face it, it's been a long time since 
there's been a new Australian F1 driver. Is that the is, does that pinnacle of motorsport appeal to you, or is it more like the GT or World Endurance Racing, or is there any aspiration for rally type driving, or are you just happy to get a paid seat in the car? whatever someone will let you do. What, I'm just curious, how does this work for you? Definitely when I was younger, F1 was everything to me. I definitely wanted to go there. And I would love to still go there now, but a bit of reality hits, especially when you're about that 15, 16, and you have to go overseas then to start sure. your career. Um, and we just did not have the budget at all. I it's appreciate that. mega money, so... Um, fortunately, we can go there. However, there is a series now called W Series. I don't know okay. if you've seen it. I'm not it. familiar with it. No, tell me about it. Um, so it's a women's series. Um, mm-hmm. The first year was 2019. There was no season 2020, so it's only very new. Um, and you go into a shootout, and if you get selected, there'd be 12 drivers, and they all race. You're all paid for. You don't have to pay for your flights, anything. Just giving... I guess girls just an opportunity to be able to tap into F1, which I think is really, really good. Sure. So there's definitely that um, in the background that I could possibly go to at this point. Um, While well, I have a bit of backing and stuff, definitely staying here in Australia and trying make it something here because even like look at Scott McLaughlin doing well in supercars, he's gone to IndyCar. Like there's always that step even after. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, the the fact you are a woman in such a male-dominated sport, I wasn't really going to harp on this too much just because, you know, any young person getting in and doing what you're doing, you've, you're facing exactly the same challenges, if not more of them because you're a woman. But really, if you're good enough, you're good enough, whether you're a man or a woman, let's face it. And um, if anything, there'd be – I imagine there's sponsorship attraction for – you know, a springboard for early in your career for somebody to come in to cash you into the sport, you know, because of the marketability and all that sort of thing. It's been some time since there's been a woman behind the steering wheel of an F1 car. There's no doubt about that. I know there's a few women that are used as test drivers in the last four or five years for a few teams but haven't been able to crack a, you know, bottom in a seat at a Grand Prix. But in the supercars historically here in Australia, there has been some, you know, Outside of the novelty factor, which I think, you know, let's face it, society's moved on since then where it's, oh, look, a woman's driving a race car type concept. You know, the in the supercars, historically, there's been a few women drivers, if I recall, maybe three or four years ago. I'm going off memory. I didn't do any research here. There was an all-women's team at Bathurst. Yeah. Yeah, there was. That must have been probably about four years ago, I'd say, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure. Again, I didn't do the research, so I'm not sure what yeah. the results were like. No, um, there has been a few in supercars and stuff. None of them, like, they've done okay jobs, but none of them have cracked in, like, the top five or six or anything like that. Um, Not saying it's down to drivers or anything like that. It depends so much on the car you're in, the team, the opportunity you're given as well and backing and there's so many factors. Well, Um, not not too unlike the um, Carrera Cup racing style of racing mm-hmm. the cars are very similar in performance yeah. so a lot of it does come down to luck and you know driver yeah, let's face it, supercars yeah yeah well like with my category i know that we're all got the exact same machinery like it's very close like the top five or six in my class you can't even think of how 
the time in between us is is like minimal as yes. How, how do you even measure it? You know, that's yeah, close yeah. It We're talking tenths of a second. So mm-hmm. it's yep. awesome racing, and I love how close it is. We've got the exact same car. Every car is the exact same in that category, and that's what I love because it's down to yeah, a little bit of setup, but you can't change big setup changes in these cars, unlike supercars and stuff it's very minimal so sure so yeah all the aero's locked in isn't it you got some minor suspension abilities Um, am i right in thinking yeah 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 um so we've aero in that it's only really the wing we can change the wing height oh the angle of attack and things like that yeah sure yeah yeah um and the boys you know it's all about you know putting the panard up and all that sort of stuff so it's just it just depends. How 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 interested are you in that aspect of racing? When you are you involved in the discussion yourself? Does that interest you? The engineering side of um, uh, what goes on with the motor car. With me, I'm with Sonic, so a team that I'm my own engineer and mechanic. Um, so it's a bit hard. I do like to be interested in it, and I do help with the setup. I tell my engineer what I'd like. But from there, they then do what they think's right to the car. Sure, um, sure. So I sort of tell them what I think and what I want from the car and then they sort of sit back and they go, we can do A, B or C, what do you want to do to the car? And then, you know, soften the front or whatever it is. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. So yeah. I am with A little that, bit more adjustment than what you had in go-karts. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. <laughs> So, no, I try to be involved as I can, but it's very hard when you're with such a professional team as well. You know, you can't sort of be like, oh, yeah, we're doing this, guys. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, like, I, I get, I understand. The, yeah. yeah, I was just curious at all uh, because I do know some professional race teams, they employ drivers because of the amount of input they give. Yeah. And some teams won't employ those drivers because they give too much input. I was just curious about where you yeah. sit in that. Um, that scheme of things. So definitely you have to have good feedback as a driver and that's something I've worked on since I was very young is just more information about the car, what it's doing. Like sure. As soon as we come in, we sit down and we do a track map. So it's just a big map of the track, every corner, writing details of what the car is doing, what you want, what you can improve on, what the car can improve on. Sure, sure. And you mentioned earlier about the um, the Formula W um, so, uh, just to come back to that yeah, yeah. concept, that's a European racing um, yeah. format, is it? Yeah. Um, so is it open wheeler? Is what? Yeah. What's, yeah. Okay. So it's an F3 car. Ah, um, yeah. Okay. Sure. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's normal F3 car. It's uh, was in Europe. However, last year, which will be this season now, this didn't go ahead. Sure. Well, um, they apparently are doing a. See, like going along with F1, so their whole series is with F1. Oh, so, the same at the same race venues and that type of thing. Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. That's so perfect. Step up from 2019. I think they didn't do any races in 2019. I'm not 100% sure with um, F1, but all their races are going to be with F1 now in 2021, which is super exciting. Great exposure for them. I I, I agree completely. Like when I look at um, sport that is promoting women's sport, it baffles me that they don't piggyback on the back of the existing media that's already in place to generate not not just the hype for the um, quality of sport because, let's face it, if you're good quality sport is about good competition, so it doesn't matter if 
it's a men or a man or a woman or a, a men's team versus men's team, women's team versus women's team. If it's good competition, it's entertaining. So, but getting people to watch it, especially if it's new or you're trying to grab market share, I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, trying to have it as its own standalone, convinced TV stations or existing print media to turn up to an event that's a long way out from other events that are on that's a challenge you know and it really surprised me that more women's sport or even emerging sports don't piggyback on the back of you know existing mainstream professional media events so yeah i think it's perfect that you know if that's their plan to be at each f1 venue well look if if they're at the melbourne f1 that's pretty convenient isn't it yeah, I'm not too sure what rounds they're doing exactly yet, but I think they're doing about six or eight of them. Um, but there was talk they were coming to Melbourne, which if they do, that'd be very exciting to see. You'd be, uh, you'd be have to hot seat it between a couple of yeah. different cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so it was very exciting. Fantastic. I am actually um, – I've got my tickets booked to come to the F1 after speaking to your, your team in particular to um, have the opportunity to – be around the Carrera Cup car and the Michelin Sprint Challenge cars so to see what happens in a team over the weekend. So I hope to come over and do some filming for my YouTube channel and also create some uh, promotional video footage for Team Sonic while I'm there as well. So I'm looking yeah. forward to coming over for that time. That's I think it's November 21. Yeah, I think yeah. It's been pushed back to November, but mm-hmm. normally that meeting is very good and exciting and there's so much going on, so I'm oh. sure you love it. Yeah, and look, look as as a race driver, what's better than to get actually having the opportunity, you know, an emerging race driver to get in front of that many people, like literally millions of people around the world, can see how good or not you are. Yeah, no, definitely, it's great. Um, like my category doesn't do the GP. Um, it's Cura Cup, so uh, definitely when I get into Cura Cup. Um, it will be good because there's so many young drivers in Curra Cup too, but that's just that next jump in everything in budget and all that. So, just um, out of curiosity, what's the difference between the two? I know, the, I know race distance is one of the things. Are the cars set up differently? Um, so what happens is there's a Gen 1 car, which mine's a Gen 1 and they're a Gen 2, so exactly the same GT3 911 car. Yep. However, it's just the newer version of it. So... What happens is my car that's in sprint right now is an old Curra Cup car. So sure. when it's bought brand new, it stays in there for the four years it's in um, and then it goes down to my um, category. category. Sure. For, and then once the four years are done, then the new ones come down to mine and then mine goes down to like um, like a normal race where people, you know, like just do it for fun kind of thing, sure, um, yep. all different types of cars and stuff like that. The people or that pay to do it instead of get paid to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, so it's it's good. Um, but right now with the Gen, so they're actually going to swap over next year. So yeah, that's right. Uh, the new uh, 992 GT3 Cup cars are, yeah. like, I think they're getting delivered quite Soon in Melbourne, aren't they? The all the new cars. Yeah, I think they're supposed to go to launch. However, it's been delayed, so I'm not too sure what's happening there. But I'm sure they'll come very soon. Yeah, there's there's plenty of footage on social media of all the cars turning up in different countries at the moment. Yeah, they look really cool. But um, basically, the only difference is power. Like, for example, at Phillip Island, when my teammates who are in Curra Cup come with me to the test day and stuff, they're about 
Um, just over one second quicker around there. So sure, sure. Yeah, that was going to be my next question to get an, an idea on the. And obviously, there's evolution of suspension and all those types of things that happen when you race a car for four years and decide to build a new one. I guess and yeah. Porsche don't make their next car worse than their previous one. There's no doubt about that. No, definitely. Like I haven't driven a Carrera Cup car yet, um, but I know people who have driven both, and they said feels exact same, just a bit more power. Sure. Um, but I'm sure this new car that's coming is going to be a lot different. Well, yeah, the new one will have the new front end on the cars that is their big sell for the new G, you know, road going GT3. So yeah. imagine the the Cup car will be significantly evolved on from that as well. So the um, with regards to uh, driving motor cars in general on the road. Do you get? Do you drive for pleasure on the road at all, or like being nineteen P plates? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, in Victoria. I'm on my P twos, which is the green ones. So I can't have anything very fast or anything like that. Oh, you do, you, do, you have horsepower limits or yeah, power to weight ratio limits, don't you? In power Victoria, power to weight ratio. Yeah. So I think we're only allowed about. 165 or 160 or something like that so is that um, kilowatts or horsepower per yeah, ton is kilowatts. that what it is oh yeah okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. so it's um yeah it's still all right but yeah so i just drive safely on the roads because i don't want to lose my license and good idea stuff like that um but no i still enjoy driving on the roads like i drive everywhere to tracks and stuff like Phillip Island's two and a half hours from my house. So sure. mm-hmm. I do quite a bit of driving. I do also a bit of like driver instructing at tracks and stuff. Oh, yeah, good one. So um, I do like the Mercedes drive days and stuff like driver experience days. And I also work for Driver Dynamics, which is um, more of a safety aspect for kids, like teaching them what to do, ABS braking, like skid the car, all that sort of sure. stuff. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Those, um, those uh, driver experience days for, you know, high, uh, high-end high brand cars, great networking. Yeah, definitely. You meet a lot of great people there. Yeah. Good, good um, for sponsors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I really enjoy those kind of days and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Definitely. Yeah, and um, who are you – who are the – drivers or even people in general who you hold up as like role models to achieving what you hope to achieve in this sport or in life in general? Um, Definitely Lewis Hamilton is one of, and he has been since I was really little. Why Why is that, do you think? Um, just how he can always be up the front. You can always find that extra bit of time that he needs to just like put it on pole. We've seen it so many times how he does that. Well, he holds um, a record. Yep. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's awesome. Like he just managed to find it. He's always at the front, and he just dedicates so much time and all his energy into it. And I like really inspired by that. And he's always been someone I've looked up to. Um, I actually saw him in person once when I was in F one. Um, tent things, and he's so small. Like he's smaller than me, and I'm five foot four i think and i'm quite small so yeah no, but he's really cool i definitely there's, look there's, up. there's very few big people driving f1 cars yeah i know you seeing them on tv you're like they look half tall and then you see them in real life you're like, yeah I, I actually think that they uh 
the company who does all the um, production, video production for F1 globally yeah. use really low-angle cameras to make them all look bigger. Yeah, they, they <laughs> I think it must be. To. Yeah. I was so shocked in person. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Now, look, you used to be a little light and have a fat neck by the looks of it if you just want to be an F1 driver. So, look, you just have to work on that neck of yours if you want to get into yeah. it, I think. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh. Yeah, funny. And um, so Lewis Hamilton, so he's, look, I think he's he, I think he's one of the oldest drivers in the paddock these days, mustn't he? Yeah, he'd be getting like 36 years old or something now, I think. Yeah, he's getting his later 30s now, so... I know 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds, they can't beat him yet. No, no, no one can beat him yet. (laughs) He's just got too much experience under his belt, I think, for those guys yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so Lewis Hamilton, yeah, good, good. And um, what what about, um, are you familiar with a French uh, lady race driver called Michelle Mouton? No, not really. Well, she came within one race of winning the 1982 World Rally Championship. Okay. Back when that was at the pinnacle of Group B racing, which is those cars were monsters. They banned the cars after, you know, four or five years after the sheer number of deaths that were involved in the World Rally Championship. You should check her out sometime. She's yeah. um, she's definitely up there for me as a driver because, you know, you can imagine in the 80s, you know yourself the challenges you face coming into the sport, what it would have been like back then. And she's she's still alive and does a lot of interviews and things like that. And she's um, written some fantastic uh, magazine articles and stuff about the not just the fact that she was a woman racing in the 80s, but just racing in the 80s and what the cars were like and stuff like that. You should check her out sometime. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Michelle Mouton, her name is. So, yeah, have, uh, you should check her out. It's a, She's an inspirational race car driver regardless of the fact that she, it was a woman, you know. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, in with women in racing in Australia at the moment, are you the only um, woman racing in the series you're in? Um, so there's actually another uh, girl in my series. Yes, which is really cool. Uh, prior to that, in former Ford, I did not have anyone except for Lee and Tanda in my first year, but I only did a few meetings towards the end. In sure. That. Okay. But in go-karts, there tends to be a few girls, but in car racing, it comes very, very few. Like I think even across all categories here in car racing, there probably is only about four or five of us. So. Really? What about in crews, in, in pit crews and stuff like that? Are they, I do Look, often when I'm liaising with race teams here in Australia, it's quite prominent to have a wife of an owner doing administration type or media type work. But I'm talking about swinging spanners, changing wheels, you know, pit work, that type of thing. Are there many women that you come across throughout um, the uh, within the paddock there? Not really. Like they're t- obviously very male-dominant stool in that area. Yeah, okay. I know some supercar teams are doing really well with that, as in they're getting females in um, as engineers, as organising the guys and stuff, which is really good to see. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Within like the Porsche sort of stuff, there is a lot of admin uh, females and stuff like that. I there's very few girl mechanics. Um, yeah, okay. You do see them pop up every now and then, but they tend just to pop up and go and stuff like okay. that. Okay, so, sure. Yeah, yeah, I was just curious. That's all because you know, let's face it, any team you would hope is professional enough to employ someone on their merit. So, you know, I guess it's just whoever applies for the job and whoever's best for the job in that case. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. And um, with regards to what do you oh, – actually, I'm gonna, I'll come back to this question. But firstly, do you feel any pressure to have a responsibility to introduce other younger upcoming women into motorsport whenever you're talking to someone like me or if you're in traditional media, that type of thing, and, you know, they rag on about, oh, look, here's a young lady who's doing it in a man's world type concept. You know, do you feel any responsibility yourself to be a good role model for those upcoming girls or are you, like, focused on just being the best you can be or how's that sit with you? I am just very focused, as bad as this sounds, on myself. <laughs> but no, you, I s- just, you sound like a race car driver. <laughs> no, I just, um, I just focus on what I'm doing and what I need to do. Yeah, sure. And definitely, I love to inspire other girls and young girls. And if they have any questions or advice, like hit me up. I'm totally fine with all that stuff. And yeah, yeah. I've mm-hmm. approached and I've done lots of interviews that are about welcoming girls in this sport and I give my advice and how I came through. Totally great. I love girls coming through and getting in all about it, but I just don't put that pressure on myself and I just focus on doing a good job for myself and to set a really good example for other girls and showing that everyone can do it. We've got the same machinery. I'm not one of those girls that are very, oh, look at me, I drive a race car. I'm very... I just here to do my job. I'm the sure. same as everyone else. I don't like put on makeup and do my hair or anything like that. I have helmet hair. I look horrible when I get how out. Is, how, if anyone's just listening to this podcast and not watching it, you've got a lot of hair. How does that even fit in a helmet? <laughs> I actually get asked this question a lot. Like I can imagine every race meeting. So my hair is quite long. It's about to my hips. Um, so I cut it all the time. I've just always had a lot of hair. Sure. But, um, so I just plait it or braid it, if you want, just straight down my back. Oh, it goes um, into your suit. Got it. It goes into my suit and I just make sure it's not on my spine, the hair tie. Sure. And other than that, it's all good. Keeps it yeah, out okay. my yeah, I was just curious. That's all. Yeah, um, so I'm not surprised. I had to ask a stereotypical question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's why I get asked a lot. Everyone's like, how do you fit that in your helmet? I'm like, it goes in my suit. But yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I had a hole cut in it and it comes out the top. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, and, oh, yeah, so that's interesting you mentioned that. It's interesting you, you talk about the um, self-promotion type thing because that's an, an important part of getting visibility for attracting sponsorship because, you know, motor racing is either coming from a wealthy family or being good at promoting yourself and being a good driver to be able to get that time in the seat. Like even at the start of this discussion, you did mention that, you know, getting seat time in a car is expensive. So you're conscious of the finances involved of racing, not just a case of daddy, I need a Carrera Cup car. You know what I mean? So you, yeah. you do, you're obviously coming from that angle where you're not from that privileged background or privileged enough to have the opportunity, but not privileged enough that it's just going to appear when you want it. So that balance on, you know, with your social media presence, because let's face it, that's quite a big part of selling yourself to race teams and, you know, simplistically bringing sponsors with you when you do, you know, try and get a seat in a car, whether it's a supercar or a Formula 3, 2, 1 car moving forward. How do you, how, how do you find that and, how, you know, I imagine you have to be quite conscious about what you do on social media and stuff like that instead of just being a, 19-year-old girl who lives in Melbourne. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, something I've worked on the last probably two, three years is my social media posting more, being more active and stuff. Probably something I should keep doing and ramping up um, is I tend to just go to work and not really post what I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, it's very big, especially that exposure for sponsors. That's something they definitely look for is your audience, your platform, and how they can benefit from it. And still, even being a female, it's still very, very hard to get sponsorship. Um, it's just in this industry, like a lot of sponsors don't want to sponsor, like, cars and stuff, which is a bit hard and also so expensive to get on the car, like minimum of five to ten grand to get your sticker on the car normally. Um, so it's something that most people don't want to just chuck ten grand away at some race cars. So well it's look it's very philanthropic, you know, sponsoring a race car or a driver. You know, like it's you're doing it because you hope that they do well. I do know historically, you know, in the last 20 to 30 years, really since the Schumacher era, there's been the you know, the contract racer where people will invest in a racer for a an agreed return on investment over a 20 to 30 year period where they, you know, those initial investors do get a percentage of any future earnings if they do crack the big time. And it's not just in motor racing. I'm aware of this happens in golf with kids and stuff like that these days as well. So, yeah, I was just curious about um, how well you do that. Like you've got, ama- you know, you've got amazing um, capacity to generate quite a large social media presence with what you do and the fact that you are, you know, who you are. So, uh, yeah, I was just, I did, I contacted you through Instagram initially because of, you know, that's an, an easy forum that more people are on. So, yeah, and, um, you know, like as an outside observer, you, you do need to post more if you uh, want to attract those, that money to come in and have that product to on sell, you know, just looking at it from the outside. And that's coming yeah. from, you know, someone who, whilst I'm in the demographic age group, that if I had the income, I would contribute to name on a race car or doing whatever it is it's going to do. Yeah. On, on, that, on that front, how much does it cost to race a car like the one you're driving for a season? Do you know? Um, yeah, so my category, um, Career Cup's a bit more expensive, but I imagine. the Sprint one, um, normally you buy or lease a car. So yes. yeah, outs- you- outside of vehicle costs, well, I'm talking about running costs for a season. Yeah, to run it, it's about two hundred and fifty grand. Yeah, okay. And then that's if you don't crash it. Yeah, damage all that and gearbox rebuild and all that sort of stuff, which you tend to do after each season or every two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Look, I do know. You know, there are a lot of um, old Carrera Cup, ex Carrera Cup cars for sale at any moment in time in Australia and around the world, and their value is pretty much dictated by the age of the you know, the number of hours on the motor and gearbox because yeah. of the expenses associated with those rebuilds. Yeah, I was just curious, that's all. The um, Not that I'm in the market to go out and go racing. I was just curious about the, um, yeah. you know, the costs associated yeah. with it and how much money you've got to try and ramp up. And then on top of that, if you wanted an income to um, attract to go motor racing. Yeah, no, it's, it's very hard. Like, especially in my category, it's – um. It gets really good exposure, especially coming from former Fords, big jump up, but then current cup that next big jump up of um like how much exposure you get. So it gets a little bit easier to get sponsors is how much TV time you get as you keep going up. 
but mm-hmm. it's so hard in these smaller categories to get it. Sure. Just um, for listeners and viewers, the actual, for this 2021, the Carrera Cup, uh, all the uh, all the races for this season will be occurring um, the same day as the supercars, which is broadcasted um, every race is broadcasted on free air TV. So that's a fantastic thing for Carrera Cup to get that exposure and give the opportunity for those drivers, one, to get recognised so that they're going to get picked up by being in the same paddocks as the supercar drivers. So if that's the goal for those drivers to get a seat in a supercar moving forward after Carrera Cup, the actual team owners and everyone seeing those drivers and also because it's on TV, it's more attractive for people who are looking for sponsorship to get return on investment, I guess. Yeah, no, like my um, categories are seven plus it is featured on, but yep. not a lot of people have seven plus. Um, so, yeah. It comes on like all TVs these days, doesn't it? All the new, all, every new digital TV seems has all those channels on I now, don't they? the newer ones do, but I knew a lot of people that were like, oh, we like, can't find you on seven plus. We wanted to watch it. So I was a bit maybe... Yeah, maybe they need to put it on their phone. So I think maybe the older generation generation don't have it on their phone. Yeah, yeah, um, you t- hey, just go easy there, right? I'm the older generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I know all my friends, like younger, could easily find it. But yeah, think, sure. Yeah, yeah, but, um, definitely. That's that's interesting. Interesting. The um, so what do you do for what do you do for a job day to day, Courtney? Uh, so I finished school in 2019. Um, I finished year 12. I was going to go to uni, however, I deferred it. Um, just gap so year. Could, yeah. Oh, bummer so, of a gap year, 2020, COVID. <laughs> it's not even like you're trouncing around Europe or North America or something backpacking. Yeah, I know. I um, chose to have a gap year and just be able to focus on my racing, which didn't end up happening because we didn't end up racing that year. Um, so I work full time for my parents. So they own an excavation company. So yep, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just on site on the machines, water trucks, all that. Yeah, sure. Um, oh yeah, stuff. good one. Mm-hmm. And then through COVID, I got really bored because obviously everything shut down. And I did my personal trainers course. So I did my cert four in training. Um, so I'm fully qualified personal trainer. And I am just starting to work in a few gyms, so like Fit Stop and F45, so like okay. group training stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, on the side of because that's very like casual work. I would get the AM or the PM. So sure. Including working for my parents, doing driver instructing, racing. I do a little bit of the gym stuff on the side. So you got a, well. a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah. So I just like to spread myself out. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> but no, it's, it's good. I don't think I will go to uni. I definitely want to focus on my racing. And you have such a short window to make it and you just need to give it your all in that time. And, you know, if nothing happens, then you can go to uni later on in life or go and do a course or whatever that is that you want to go into. Look, if it's, if it's any consolation, I didn't go to uni until I was in my mid-20s. Look, there definitely is merit in going to university. It's a great place to be to decide what you want to be when you grow up because, you know, you're learning something at the same time. So, yeah, yeah look, anyway, I, I'm sure it'll all uh, go well regardless if that pathway is necessary. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. It's been a bit of fun having a bit of a chat here and I'm um, getting a bit of an understanding about the concept of Career Cup and the sprint challenge that you're competing in and what it's like to be a young driver and coming up through the ranks. The fact that you're a woman as well is 
I guess, adds to the story, but, you know, I'm sure you'll make it if you're good enough anyway, regardless of your, the fact you're a woman. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good one. All right, then we'll have a great day and thanks very much for coming on the podcast today. No worries. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.